To get your free audio gift, The Three Pillars of Achieving Your Perfect Weight Using the Mind-Body Connection, go to freefitnessaudio.com and enter your first name and email address, and we'll send that to you right away. Welcome, everyone, to Healthy Mind to Body Podcast, Episode 38. It's actually the second half of our interview with Dr. James Carlson. And I have Kevin on the other line. Hey, Kev, how's it going? Good. How you doing, Wes? Pretty well. Just had a little bit of low blood sugar. I gave myself a shot of orange juice, which we don't typically recommend on this show. OJ is not advised for the Healthy Mind Fit Body program. Oranges are actually better. And it's interesting because in this interview... I think in the second half, you'll hear Dr. Carlson talk about fruits as containing fructose. And that actually ends up going into your fat cells faster than glucose. Uh, What is the biochemical pathway for the fructose? I guess we don't need to get into that, do we? (laughs) Yeah, I thought we were going to (laughs) chit-chat. I wasn't ready to talk about fructose yet. Yeah, well, the beginning of this interview starts off where we ended off the last one, which was talking about the saturated fat content in various types of meats and it's surprisingly lower than what people typically think you know like red meat you'd think oh lots of saturated fat but it's only around 50 percent right right yeah he talks about that and he gets into how uh, chicken rates on that scale and you know not exactly what people traditionally think Mm -hmm. so let's go ahead and lead into that and we'll pick up at the end of the interview then sounds good fat and lard what lard is fat right pork fat Mostly saturated, unsaturated. Most doctors will answer immediately, without hesitation, saturated. Yeah. It's 60% unsaturated. Mm-hmm. Now, when they tell you to eat chicken, they tell you to take the skin off, right? Bad for you. Okay. Chicken and turkey fat, 80% unsaturated. Oops. Mm-hmm. Most doctors get those, you know, when I ask those questions, they get it wrong. You know, and they're still holding tenaciously onto that whole saturated fat Myth. They don't have the facts, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's what a lot of beliefs are based on. They're not based on facts. They're based on beliefs or, or faith, for that matter. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to go there. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hear you. So here's a question that I get quite a bit from people that are just used to the kind of typical low-fat, high-carb diet, and they're trying to make the change. Does coming off of those kind of carb addictions? lead to physical withdrawal symptoms? And how do you recommend that uh, somebody effectively switches to a low-carb lifestyle from the, that traditional diet? You know, there's a couple of ways you can approach it. Certainly, I've never, well, first off, yes, you are going to get withdrawal symptoms, no doubt about it. It is as if you're coming off of a drug. Carbohydrates are drugs. Carbohydrates stimulate the secretion of neurotransmitters, all right, which is why we have carb highs, all right? Neurotransmitters such as serotonin, which is a mood stabilizer, which many of the drugs like, say, uh, Zoloft or Paxil or whatever, increase the level of. So, Make no mistake about it, carbs are treated by our bodies as drugs, all right? Or when you're coming off carbs, it's going to be like a drug withdrawal. Shaking, sweating, diarrhea, constipation, all right? You might get some mental fogginess and all. You're coming, make no mistake about it, you're going through withdrawal. Most people can handle it fine. You know, I generally start you at 10 grams of carbs per meal. I tell most people, you know, 80 to 100 grams of protein per day. I tell them no limit on fat or cholesterol consumption. Most people don't have severe withdrawal, you know, and they can do that 10, 10, 10, and the other stuff, no problem. For those who can't, 
you know, I'll get like a food diary from them, and in my mind I'll calculate how many grams of carbs they're getting, and then I'll wean them. You know, yeah. I'll just wean them down, and then they tolerate that a lot better. But, you know, I have to say, definitely, you know, most people are going to have withdrawal. The other thing that happens a lot, it happened to me when I started doing low carbs, is when you can't have something as much, you want it more. It's human mm-hmm. nature. So you're going to get those your hunger cravings. You're going to want that slice of pizza. You're going to want, you know, that apple or whatever the hell, you know, even more. You know, so there's a, I think you mentioned earlier a lot of psychological undertones here as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Being that I mentioned apple, I have to do this. Um, you always hear the saying, an apple a day keeps a doctor away. Yeah. I don't say that. I say an apple a day and a doctor you will pay. All right? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's look at an apple. Okay, what's the sugar in an apple? Oh, it's fructose. Okay? The apples, the bananas, you know, basically fructose. You hear this all yeah. the time. Fructose is a natural sugar. It's okay. Right. You know, you can eat an apple. Don't have that Snickers bar, but you can have an apple. An apple is good for you, really. Well, it just so happens biochemically, these are facts now, that fructose is actually converted or can be converted into cholesterol and fat quicker than glucose. It needs to be mm-hmm. modified less. So when you eat an apple in a Snickers bar, the sugar in the apple biochemically will become cholesterol and fat or fat before the sugar in that Snickers bar. I'm not saying eat Snickers bars. All right. right. I'm just using that for a little biochemical analysis. I get it all the time. Fruits are okay to eat for diabetics. Really? Well, you know what? Have you, one of your diabetic patients eat an apple, a banana, whatever, and have them check their sugar a couple hours later. Let's see where the sugar is. All right. It's mm-hmm. going to be elevated. You know, It's amazing, too, because beets, I, I know you've heard like the beet diets. It's okay to eat beets. Beets are healthy. You, know, mm-hmm. you hear that a lot. And, and my comment back is, no, they're not. All right. The sugar in beets is something called sucrose which happens to be a molecule of glucose and fructose, you know, together, called the disaccharide. And when you break those uh, molecules up, of course, you get one molecule of glucose and one molecule of fructose. Now, that's sucrose. Um, Just so everybody knows, table sugar is sucrose, and the sucrose from table sugar and the sucrose from beets are going to be treated the same by the body. Yeah. And so the beet diet, I don't think so. I might as well just have table sugar. It's going to do the same thing. Yeah. So much misinformation out there. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, it definitely is. So now this one will probably take uh, all your degrees put together to answer, but Mm -hmm. um, what is your favorite light or low-carb beer? Funny, funny you should answer that question, Kevin. I have done many, many scientific experiments, you know, in the name of science to come up, you know, with the answer to this question. And my favorite low-carb beer, it's not the lowest-carb beer, all right? My favorite is Michelob Ultra. I am not getting paid by Michelob Ultra in any way, shape, or form, but if they want to send me some cases of kegs, they can. That's fine. Delicious beer. 2.6 grams of carbs per 12 ounces, all right? Now, uh, most of the other light beers like Coors Light, Corona Light, even Amstel Light. Oh, I, I'm going to touch on that a little bit, too. Even Amstel Light, 5 grams of carbs per serving. When you're doing Bud Light, now you're moving up to 6.8. Right? Be careful yeah. with the Mick Ultra flavor. Now you're moving up to 5.86. It may not sound like a lot. Like people may be going, what's well, only 5 grams of 6.8? The problem is if you have two or three drinks and if you're trying to stay at 10 grams of carbs per meal, you can't. Yeah. You need to also count the carb count. Like if you have a glass of beer and a steak, that beer carb amount counts as your carb allotment, right? Yeah. Um, let me just try to think. As a Bud Select and Miller Light both have 3.2 grams of carbs per 12 ounces. There's a beer out there. 
I forget the name of it, at 1.6 or 1.8, but for professional beer drinkers, you know, they're not going to like this because it just doesn't have the hoppy flavor that we look for. Uh, yeah. But you asked a good question because, you know, actually I've uh, also made my own beer, somewhat of a connoisseur. Uh, wine I don't know too much about. I do know dry reds and dry whites, you know, have about a gram per ounce. Um, hard liquor, which I do not partake in. I'm pretty sure, I know vodka has zero, but I don't really know about the others which you can easily uh, research. But the point is that if you're someone who likes to drink, you know, alcohol, of course, don't overdo it. All right. But since we're on the topic of alcohol, too, uh, latest research has shown that moderate drinkers, I'll define what that means in a second, moderate drinkers have a 38% reduction in heart disease. For women, that's defined as one to two drinks a day. For men, it's defined as one to three. And I jokingly used to say that a male must have done the study to allow his guys to drink more. But over the course of my career, alcohol has more of a deleterious effect on females, probably because of the lean body mass, you know, and all that. So, yeah. And this is real. I mean, alcohol is not a dangerous thing when consumed in moderation. And, right. of course, never, ever drink and drive. But, you know, again, count it in for your carb allotment. And sorry for taking so long in that question there. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of people, you know, do like to have an you know, alcoholic beverage. Yeah, I stick with Guinness. It's a light beer and... I think it's lower in carbs. I don't know. Do you know about that? Uh, you know what? It's funny. I used to make fun uh, of the carb amount. It's got to be a lot, but I'm pretty sure a patient of mine told me the carb amount, and I was actually very surprised it wasn't that high. Yeah. It looks like a heavy beer, but it's pretty light, actually. Which is nice. You know, uh, again, you just count the carb count as your carb amount. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you could still have snacks and stuff. You just got to count it in there. Oh, I mentioned Amstel Light, 95 calories, you know, and they have that whole jingle about how it's never tasted so important, blah, blah, blah. The funny thing is, it's 95 calories. It's 5 grams of carbs, okay? 5 yeah. grams of carbs. Michelob Ultra is 2.6 grams of carbs. So the Amstel Light versus the Mick Ultra could potentially be more of a problem from a carbohydrate perspective than, say, your Mick Ultra, which has less carbs, and I'm almost positive more calories. You know, so again, calories are irrelevant. They're red herrings. Just yep. don't count them. That's the key. So just to kind of wrap things up, what is your prognosis for the health of people in America in the short term and then also in the long term? Without understanding the correct way to eat, it's going to go from bad to worse. Um, The only way we're going to change that is by understanding the correct way to eat. And it sounds so simple and basic, but it really is very, very huge. And if all doctors understood the correct way to counsel patients dietarily, the health care in this country, the health status of people in this country would just be phenomenal. You know, I mean, you wouldn't really see heart disease or type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetics would be even better controlled. Uh, obesity, you'd only see in certain genetic uh, cases and all that. Cancers, there's a lot, you know, cancers are influenced by carbohydrates. And it yeah. scares me to think where we're going to be in the future if we don't understand this. You know, childhood obesity. Let's look at, you know, autism. It, it sounds like, doc, autism, what does that have to do with nutrition? I firmly believe it's, uh, I believe it's one in 48 males now with autism or the autism spectrum disorders. Uh, I firmly, this is my belief, and I'll come right out and throw that on the table. This is my belief that the reason we're seeing such increased autism and autism spectrum disorders in this country, it's one in 91, if you include females, one in 48 males, um, is because of the way we eat. And, and I'm not picking on women. This is not meant to be a dig in any way, shape, or form. But women are instructed, unfortunately, by the doctors, the medical profession, to eat low-fat, low-cholesterol. So they do that before they get pregnant. They do that while they're pregnant. Don't you dare eat fat and cholesterol while you're pregnant. You know, bad things will happen. Really? Mm-hmm. And they're told when the kids are born, uh, you know, 
they got to do low-fat, low-cholesterol. The foods out there, the baby foods are low-fat, low-cholesterol. We're not breastfeeding our children like we should be. We're not, we're not nursing for as long as we should be. And all of this influences, you know, essential nervous system development. And once you have irregularities in the CNS development, central nervous system development, that's going to obviously equate into cognitive issues which is where this whole autism spectrum disorder, I believe, is emanating from the increased rates. I do not believe it's from vaccinations. All right? I honestly feel it's from improper dietary instruction. And it kind of makes sense because you're also seeing all these childhood obesity problems, and now children, my God, children under the age of 10 with type 2 diabetes, with heart yeah. disease, are you kidding me? And we're not getting it. We're saying silly things like, well, that's because they don't get up and they're not active and they're on the computer all the time. Are you kidding yeah. me? Mm-hmm. That's, that's not going to solve anything. I mentioned earlier the whole school lunch. I didn't say school lunch program, but I mentioned uh, the pizza. You know, the school lunch program across the nation, now they're, they're having whole wheat crust, whole wheat yeah. dough. Wow, that's going to change a lot of things. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Sugar is sugar is sugar. You're not going to solve the problem. On the TV, in the papers, you see it too. Oh, make your children eat healthier snacks like grapes and bananas and apples and oranges and plums and pears. That's not going to work. You know, it's not going to work. It's still providing them with sugar. That's, you know, going to be stored as fat. You know, it's not healthy for them to be eating that way. What's the future of healthcare in America? Like I said, it's going to go from bad to worse unless we all start to understand the correct way to eat. It's websites like yours. You know, it's websites like Jimmy's. It's the crazy people like me out there screaming, trying to get noticed, because that's yeah. the only way you're going to implement change. Yeah, you know? exactly. Only way you can implement change, you know. And I don't know. I mean, I, I wish I had the answer. I mean, I, I would love to debate with anyone uh, yeah. you know, in an open forum where I can take it by the hand and show you. And it's not like, you know, I'm right, everyone else is wrong. I didn't always understand this. I didn't yeah. always understand the correct way to eat. I was wrong for many years. It makes me chuckle, though, going back to, like, you know, one day I was doing low-fat, low-cholesterol, and the next day I wasn't. So I had a bunch of patients, you know, a lot who came in, and I'd look at them and I'd say, you remember when I told you to do low-fat, low-cholesterol? Well, I was wrong, you know. It should be low-carbs, more-fat cholesterol. They'd look at you, they laugh at you, but when you explain it to them, I don't know the last time I had a patient go, you're crazy, you know. Yeah. They really understand it. These are lay persons. These are non-medical personnel. Yeah, I think it's all about getting the facts. And in my experience, I've had an easier time convincing people that are not connected to the medical industry or that aren't as educated in terms of, uh, you know, just kind of being able to explain the facts to them than people that have degrees and have all kinds of the science background because they're kind of locked into what the system, what was told to them in school. You know, it's funny you say that because for me, I'm just like a loose cannon. I'm a maverick. You know, I have no affiliations with anybody, so I'm just yeah. going to tell it as it is. And, you know, I'm out there shouting. I don't know if you know about the Ultimate Wellness Show I do. It's at DreamweaverRadioNTV.com. It's DreamweaverRadioNTV, spelled as it sounds, one word, dot com. Basically, this show is like little six to eight minute snippets where I attack major organizations, things like that. You're right. I've had people actually tell me, uh, Jim, you know, you got to tiptoe around these things. What are you doing a full frontal assault for? Tiptoe around it. I'm like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Why? You know, I understand it. I can explain it to you. I'm not going to tiptoe around anything because people are dying right. out there. And one thing about my book title, Genocide, that's a horrible, horrible, horrible word. Okay? Yeah. The reason I chose it was because it gets noticed. Right. Genocide. Millions and millions of people are dying each and every year due to physicians' dietary ignorance, not only in America, but around the world as well. It has to stop. How your doctor's dietary ignorance will kill you, each word chosen with precision.
because it will. I should have did a sub-subtitle, Kevin. I should have put, and make the drug companies richer in return. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what's happening. You know, it's yeah. Yeah, stuff. So, no, I'm not going to tiptoe around. But you're right. When you're locked into the ivory tower, yeah, they look at research. You've got to research, you've got to publish, you've got to do this, that, the other thing. Really, after research and publish, i got thousands of patients that are doing phenomenally well on low-carb. Why? And, and I've been asked to do double-blind placebo prospective studies. Really? So what you're telling me to do is to put people on an eating style that I know is dangerous versus one that I know is correct and they do well on. I would never put people in harm's way anymore with the incorrect way to eat. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's like I said, you know, I, I can go on and on. And there's so much data out there that supports low carbs that the powers to be are turning a blind eye to. And I don't even think that they recognize that it's real and it works. I think they go, mm, oh, another low carb thing. Oh, God, fad diet, fad diet. Right. Um, first right. off, it's not a fad. Second off, it's not a diet. It's the way we all should be eating. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and exactly. that's the way our biochemistries are. And on a side note, I'm always doing side notes, side note, you know. <laughs> For hundreds of thousands of years, we lived in an ice age, okay? Mm-hmm. People ask me, well, how do you know that? You know, I'm, well, yeah, there's geological evidence, you know, in favor of it, okay? So we, we existed on an ice age. What do you think we ate when we were in an ice age? Um, I'm going to tell you, fat animals. Yeah. That's all that we're at. They're fat animals. So, you know, as we evolved as a species, our biochemistries evolved, and if you couldn't eat a fat animal and survive on fat, cholesterol, and protein, you were dead. You know, mm-hmm. so they always use the argument, oh, there's hunter-gatherers out there, and they ate more carbs than anything. Well, no, they didn't. They actually ate more fat and then, you know, cholesterol yep. and protein. And our biochemistries are carnivorous in nature, despite what the vegans or vegetarians want to say, you know, our bodies. And I feel, I feel so sorry for vegetarians. Now, you can still do low-carb as a vegetarian. I mean, it's, it's not unheard of. But I will make yep. this statement, and it's a statement, in fact. All right, vegetarians generally are the sickest people in my practice. They have the highest triglycerides. You get away with it for a couple of years, but they have the highest triglycerides, the lowest HDLs, the highest blood pressures. They put weight on. They can't take weight off. They're fatigued, low B12s, folic acids. I mean, it's not a healthy eating style. There's healthy ways to be vegetarian. I'm not attacking the whole, you know, uh, spiritual side of it, you know, uh, with the animals and things like that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's not how our physiologies have evolved. We're not supposed to be eating a preponderance of sugar because that's yeah. what most vegetarians, unfortunately, are eating, not understanding it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a harder way to go about it. It can be done, but it's just a lot harder. Well, what I'll tell my vegetarians, you know, um, and luckily most of them are lacto-avo. Lacto-avo, of course, meaning they'll uh, drink lactose or, you know, have cheeses or avo steak. Of course, they're eggs, so they'll eat eggs and drink yeah. milk. And I never understood this. Maybe you can help me out here. Uh, vegetarians who come in, they're vegetarians, but they eat fish. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, then as a term, somebody told me who's a vegetarian, he goes, but no, that's a Pesci vegetarian. Yeah. And I'm like, Joe Pesci? But, you know, that's a whole other uh, Pesci vegetarian. <laughs> so anyway, what I tell my vegetarians to do is give me two hard-boiled eggs a day. Eat two hard-boiled eggs a day for your saturated fat, for your cholesterol. And, you know, don't be afraid to use coconut oil, you know, to cook with. It's solid at room temperature, but you can cook it. And it's actually quite delicious. And use butter, you know, and yeah. give me some soy. And you can basically, you can get the fat, you can get the cholesterol as a vegetarian. It's possible. Yeah, great. Well, Dr. Jim, this has been uh, fantastic. I wish there were more doctors out there like you. I think we live in a lot uh, healthier world. Thanks so much for coming on and taking the time. Oh, Kevin, my pleasure. And thank you very, very much for inviting me. I mean, I always enjoy speaking about the truth. 
in this case, through nutritional biochemistry, truth. And I agree, more doctors need to be educated. And I have to say this, you know, as we close, I'm not calling doctors stupid. You know, the term is ignorant, and I, I don't really find that a mean term. Stupid right. generally means that you can't learn something. You know, physicians can. They're not stupid. It's ignorance. It's just not knowing something that you could possibly know. And I was very ignorant about nutritional biochemistry, being trained as a nutritional biochemist at Cornell University. You would think I would know yeah. something. But yeah. I was ignorant as well. We can learn. I think the doctors can learn the facts. We just got to get the message out. And again, I so much appreciate uh, you know being here and, and chatting with you. Yeah, definitely. We could go on for hours, I'm sure. And I'd love to have you back at some point down the road. And good luck with everything that you're doing. And uh, yeah, keep getting the word out and we'll do the same. Well, right back at you, Kevin. You do the same. All right. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, that was the end of the interview. Covered lots of ground there, and we spent a lot of time on beer, huh? Yeah, yeah. I just had a beer myself tonight. Did you? A brewski. Was it a Guinness? It was not Guinness, unfortunately. I I played some volleyball, and um, we ended up going out to eat after. We went to this pizza place, which specializes in deep dish style pizza and heavy beer. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you think? You think that's uh, that would be acceptable in healthy mind, fit body? Well, I guess if you don't delve into the deepest part of the dish, which is all that thick dough, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of it. So I actually ended up finding a deal. They were they were selling these sandwiches for a dollar, and they were pretty good size. It was pulled pork, uh-huh. so not the still not the healthiest thing ever. But I uh, just opened up the sandwiches and ate the pork and had my micro brew beer, which is. A little on the heavy side, but um, that was my only carb, so. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that in the interview he mentioned that he has his patients typically on 10 grams of carbs per meal, which, you know, adds up if they eat three meals a day, 30 grams of carbs per day, which is a little bit more than the Atkins induction phase of the Atkins diet, which is really minimal carbs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a really, really low amount of carbs. So, yeah, it's, it's above the Atkins induction, but it's, it's way below, you know, any of the other diets out there, like the, you know, I'm reading that primal Mark Sisson's book right now mm-hmm. and what he recommends. And, you know, it's, it's definitely below that and it's below the paleo kind of recommendations. And yeah, way below the zone. Cause I remember right. when I was doing the zone many, many years ago, I think I started that in 97, actually, it was around 150 grams per day, I think. Yeah from what I was typically eating, the high-carb, low-fat diet, which was about 450 grams per day. So it was considerably lower than the high-carb diet. But uh, yeah, I don't know if it's necessary um, to do 30 grams a day only. I know that we've mentioned below 100, just figure around 100. As Mark Sisson noted in our interview, he said it'd be really hard way back when, before we had all this access to breads, grains, cereals, and sugars to ever find 100 grams of carbs per day. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's not going to hurt you. I mean, doing 30 grams of carbs a day, No. you know, you can definitely live on zero grams of carbs a day. Mm-hmm. But it's just a matter of what's going to be the most convenient. Yeah, and what your weight is now, how much you want to lose, basically, and if you're a hard loser in terms of fat loss. Yeah. Because a lot of people have been addicted to carbs for so long that it's it's hard to get that fat burning process to kickstart if you're not going to drop into that ketosis realm, which right. benign dietary ketosis is what's happening there. Yeah. Going back to the beer, what do you think about the idea of low-carb beer? I mean, it's kind of like the, all the other low-carb foods out there where is it really the best idea to have low-carb beer? I kind of think that if you're going to have a beer, 
just go for what you want. You know, if you want the Michelob Ultra, then go for it. But it seems like something where you go, I could see people justifying and going, well, I could have two of these and yeah, three wouldn't kill me. And pretty soon it's like, it's kind of like the low fat cookies where people were just pounding these yeah. you know, massive low fat cookies and thinking that that was as healthy as can be. Or just the low carb stuff in general. Yeah. You know, basically seeing that as a way to justify eating a lot more of it. Yeah, I don't think that's advisable, but I typically go for the low-carb beers and just the light beers because of my diabetes, and I don't want to spike my blood sugar because of uh, one beer that I'll have. Yeah. So, and also the alcohol in there can act as a carbohydrate too, so you have to watch out for that. Those empty calories. Mm-hmm, Get you. empty calories. And, you know, if you're going to have the carbs, you're better off, like we say in, in our book, to eat the fruits and vegetables rather than just uh, some low-carb substitute sort of grain or bread or cereal type stuff. Yep. You can definitely get more micronutrients in the uh, fruits and the veggies. So... No doubt. Basically, just keep an eye out for what the carbs are and make sure that you're able to lose the fat that you want to lose on the amount of carbs that you're eating. And if you're not losing it, then just drop your carbs even lower. And don't skimp on the fat. You know, the yep. fat is actually good for you. So Fat is your friend. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as Carlson noted, fruit isn't any better than other carbs. A carb is a carb is a carb. And so we have to challenge that myth that's out there that says that, well, if it's fruit, then it's good for you, as opposed to some other carb that you've been eating, the sugars, the donuts, for example. Yeah, well, fruit is quite a bit healthier for you than, yeah, like, say, a donut. Because it does have nutrients in it and it has fiber, which is something that uh, you know, does help with that absorption rate of the carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I, was, I wasn't really sure about with Jim Carlson was that idea that fruit is, you know, an apple a day is the worst thing you can do because you are getting nutrients out of that. Even if it's not the perfect food to eat by itself, it's still a lot better than a lot of things you could be doing. Mm-hmm. But I guess he was just talking in terms of biochemistry because, you know, if I eat an apple say 20 grams of carbs in that, it's the same amount as if I eat 20 grams of like a balance bar. You could compare an apple to a balance bar, which has protein and fat in it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to need the same amount of insulin for that apple as I would the balance bar. Definitely. Because it's the same amount of carbohydrates. But you're going to get more nutrients, perhaps, from the apple um, in terms of micronutrients, you know, vitamins and minerals and so forth. Right. Uh, although they add those in on the balance bar. So... And in the balance bar, you get the protein and the fat, which is kind of handy, too. So if you're on the go, it might be better to eat the nutrition bar. Yeah, I think, you know what, I think I'd go with the whole food because in the balance bars, you've got a lot of artificial stuff in them, you know, some chemicals and some artificial flavors and things like that, that, you know, the apple's going to just be straight up. Yeah, but you're going to skimp on your protein and your fat, though. (laughs) Well, that's why I got my nuts. Well, there you go. (laughs) You got to eat your nuts and you got to throw in some cheese or something. Yeah, coconut. There you go. So it's just a matter of being sensible about this stuff and making the right choices. Um, I think in the end, it really boils down to how many carbs you are eating overall right? and how that's affecting your body fat percentage. Because I think with Dr. Carlson, he was overweight and he basically couldn't eat many carbs before he started putting on weight. And we've talked about this before, the percentages the way people's genes handle carbs. We've all known people that can eat lots of carbs and never put on much fat, right? Right. And I think a lot of the people that are in the health and nutrition industry and fitness 
are able to eat more carbs and not put on much fat. So they kind of like ascribe that sort of way of eating to everybody. And it doesn't work yeah. because most people eat a little bit of carbs and they'll put on some fat. And a good half of the population out there will eat carbs and put on a lot of fat. So their bodies aren't able to metabolize the carbs in a way that's going to keep the fat off. But in any event, no matter who you are and what genes you have, the carbs that you eat are going to require insulin to be able to be processed by the body. So the question is, do you want more insulin in your body being produced? being secreted by those beta cells in your pancreas, or do you want less insulin? Well, if you want to live in the anti-aging zone, if you want to avoid the long-term illnesses like cancer and heart disease and so forth, and if you want to lose that extra body fat, less insulin is better. So less carbs is better. Yeah, that always comes back to the insulin levels. So it's not really that difficult when you put it like that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, people like to make it complicated. And that goes back to what we talked about in the interview with Dr. Jim that doctors themselves are, for the most part, really ignorant about all these things. And that's due to years of getting this information that's been long been disproven and then just sticking to that, sticking to what they learned and what they paid for, what their their education got them in medical school. Mm-hmm. When I uh, was reading up on his book before the interview, his book's called Genocide. I thought that was a little bit strong. You know, he's just talking about nutrition. But once I heard what he had to say about it, I was pretty much sold on it. I mean, it really is genocide. I mean, you look at the number of doctors out there that are telling their patients the wrong things and what it's leading to, it's pretty serious stuff and it's not to be just laughed at. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see why he would you know, call it that. Yeah, especially when all the knowledge of this stuff is readily available and they kind of refuse to look what's before their very eyes and they stick with the status quo and they end up prescribing these drugs that are really unnecessary if you're eating the right foods. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, of course, I'll put the link to that, the book that he wrote in the show notes. So... I think that about wraps this uh, series up, this two-part series on the nature of dietary ignorance out there. Yeah, I think that was a great one. It was right in line with Healthy Mind Fit Body for the most mm-hmm. part. Absolutely. And of course, if you like the show, feel free to go to iTunes. We'll have a link there in the show notes too, to rate or review the show. Yeah, and if you have any questions for us or if you want us to cover any specific topic, just shoot us an email. It's info at healthymindfitbody.com. Absolutely. And we've had some more questions come in and we'll cover some more of those on the next show. Yeah. So we'll have the next show. uh, We'll cover the questions. And then the week after that, we've got another exciting interview with Rob Wolf, who is the paleo expert. Mm -hmm. Everything paleo. So I'm sure that will be a really good one. Yeah. We'll delve into some things that uh, we actually have questions about too. Exactly. So thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week.